Hi, my name is Al, and if I received a letter from the future, I would probably sit on my desk and never read it. Hi, I'm Maddie, and if I received a letter from the future, it would definitely go on the kitchen counter with all of my other letters, and then probably my cats would knock it off and I would never see it again. And behold, manga. Welcome back to the show. I just woke up from a nap. Uh, this month, we read Orange by Ichigo Takano. It started serializing in 2012, and then there are... So there's, what, five main volumes, and then the last two future volumes came out. One of them, like, three mm. years after the series, and then the other one was quite recent. It was yeah. five years after that or something. So there's seven volumes in total. Uh, five volumes is the original series that ran from, I think, 2012 to 2015. And then volume six is, like, a side stories that came out two years after. And then are you, the seventh are you just is remembering more this? side series that came out ten years after the beginning, like, the first volume came out. Is this just coming out of your head? No, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia. <laughs> hey, I'm the one doing the formal introduction. I made the bad notes from Wikipedia. Thank you very much. Uh, yep. Can you tell I just woke up from a nap? <laughs> okay, I'm going. I'm raring yeah. to go. I Yeah, so it was serialized as not omnibuses, and then it became two omnibuses, and also a gorgeous box set that Al has that's like the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, so it was originally single volumes in Japan, and then when it got the English release by Seven Seas, they published the original five volumes as a two-set omnibus, and then they've recently come out with a box set that has them in, like, the individual volumes. It's so very pretty. pretty. It has postcards. postcards. It was originally published in a shoujo magazine, and then moved to a seinen magazine, so it's technically seinen. I can't believe you're reading Wikipedia. But- it's my job to read Wikipedia right now. <laughs> It has a live action film and an anime you adaptation. You want to fall asleep or Al will steal all your podcast notes. <laughs> yeah, it's got an anime. I didn't know that actually until yeah. I... Um, the anime yeah. came after the live action. Yeah, because we watched the live action together in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about our content and trigger warnings. Yeah. So the minor one I had was bullying, and then the major one, of course, is suicide and depression. And it's really, really real in this one. If you struggle with any of these things, maybe this is not the one for the headspace you are in right now. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put some numbers to different crisis lines in different countries in the episode description so that you can take care of yourself if you, you know, need a little bit of extra help right now. Yeah. Um death of a loved one specifically a parent and also a friend yeah be a trigger warning i think those are like the really major ones they're kind of what the whole story is about yeah so <laughs> speaking of what the story is about al would you like to do a quick spoiler free back of the book summary and then you'll do the full spoiler summary sure okay back of the book i'll give you 20 seconds and full i'll give you 30 Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go. Orange is about a group of friends who receive letters from their future selves telling them that one of their friends is going to uh, die in the future and ask them to save him. 
the end. That was 10 seconds. You didn't. <laughs> okay, that is I'm not back giving the... you. I'm not giving you more time on the other summary just because you like did better on this first assignment. All right. 30 seconds. Explain the whole story to us. Go. So we have Naho and her group of friends who I'm not going to name. And she. They become friends with this new transfer student named Kaku. Um, unbeknownst to them, his mom passes away of suicide the same day that he starts school. And in the future, he also passes away of suicide. And Naho receives a letter from the future, 10 years from the future, asking her to save him. Her friends have also received letters from their future selves. Um... It's essentially looking at mental health and friendship, and they succeeding saving him at the end. Yeah, that was forty five seconds when I only should have given you thirty, which is why you should always use your <laughs> back of the book summary. You could have told us her name was Naho. <laughs> I'm being really extra spicy to you today, and I don't know why. Maybe I had a bad little dreamy dream during my nap. I have no idea. So mean to me. All right. I know. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Uh, I learned to not say mean things to our friends because we might regret it. So I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Red status. I watched the live action with you and it was really sweet. I have good memories of sitting on your old couch (laughs) that ate my phone and watching the live action. Um, you said it was in high school, but I don't think it was in high school because I didn't know of oh. the manga until college or university. Because I have very fond, <laughs> not accurate memories of watching it together with I you. mean, you might have still been in high school because you took the extra year. I have accurate yeah. memories and no one should ever <laughs> deny me. Yeah, so Orange was recommended to me by a classmate of mine in one of my university classes. We were talking about manga. And this Shout was, out to that random citizen. <laughs> this was one of her favorites, so I ended up reading it and also really liked it. And then I made Maddie watch the live action with me. So this is my second time reading the first five volumes. I've never read volume six and volume mm-hmm. seven because I read it before those came out. That's exciting. Yeah. The live action is super good, by the way. Everyone go watch the live action movie. It, it surprisingly didn't leave much out, actually. No, it really didn't. Yeah, I don't remember much about it, but as I was reading the story, I was like, okay, I remember this, and I remember this. I feel like I'd have to watch it again, because I think the shrine where they get into the fight, they probably changed. Because I remember the relay race, and then I remember the ending bit where they save him. Yeah. But I'm not sure about, I remember the pool and the fireworks. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fireworks. Like, those ones I remember the most. (laughs) That's what I remember. It's a very good movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So we'll start by doing some character overviews. Woo. Uh, Neho is our main character. She's our, what's the word? Um, perspective? Main character? Character oh. perspective? <laughs> protagonist? Pro- yeah, she's a protagonist. POV character? Yeah, point of the view. There we go. Say. Oh. I was sitting there going, what's the English term? Someone doesn't go on TikTok and had the POV. The word, <laughs> That's so poisoned by TikTok. Okay, this is a complete aside. That bothers me so much on TikTok. Mm-hmm. They're like, POV, you are really cool. And then it's them being really cool. I'm like, that's not a POV. POV, I would be watching someone being really cool. 
they don't understand what a POV is on TikTok. So and that's point why of view. the new generation is doomed. That's exactly the only reason why. <laughs> and it's their fault. You're getting to that age now, Maddie. I'm so bitter. I had a nap at 3 p.m. So now is our protagonist. She's the main point of view that we see in the first five volumes. I like her. She's very shy. and She is a sweetheart. She's a short girl with short hair, and that is (laughs) manga shorthand for sweetheart. (laughs) She's pretty... uh, Introverted? Introverted? To an extent. Yeah. She definitely puts everybody else before herself and is more of an observer than... uh, Mm -hmm active participant in her life in the beginning yeah um she's kind of insecure hates making decisions denies herself things because she's trying not to be a bother even like to be confrontational yeah even when it's things that are not confrontational like what does everybody want for lunch and she doesn't say she's like i'll just have whatever which I relate to her so much because that's how I was as a teenager, too. Mm-hmm. Just, like, trying to minimize yourself, not be a bother. And then as you grow up, you're like, you know, it's kind of actually people just want you to say something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the amount um, of times, too, where she doesn't have conversations with her friends that she should have mm-hmm. because she shies away from them. And then as she yeah. gets, like, older, she kind of looks back into that perspective and going, like, I wish I had just said something rather than shied away from it. Yeah. And it comes with age. hmm You know? It's definitely... She's a very... I, can, um, I feel it. I feel it. Relatable and sympathetic character to have that point of view from for this story. Yes. And when she starts making decisions herself is kind of when she decides that she's going to follow the letter. She wants to save Kakaru and she also wants to save her future self, which is very Mm -hmm. sweet because it's like, she's finally doing something for herself. And I love that for her. That's our overview. Should we talk about Kakaru? Kakaru. So he's the new student. This is um, a countryside setting or like a small village town. They're not completely country but they're not like a metropolis metropolis yeah Yeah. um kakaru is just a small town girl living in the lonely world (laughs) so kakaru is coming from tokyo his parents divorced when he was in elementary school so he's moved to this town with his mom his mom is the one who kind of made that decision without really including him Mm mm-hmm his grandparents, or at least his grandma, also lives in this town. He is a sad boy <laughs> with so much internal guilt, but on the outside, he's just, like, happy. Mm-hmm. He's very funny, mm-hmm. but, like, in a subtle way. He's not gregarious. He'll just be, like, make silly little jokes. He's a good boy, and I like him, but he is so sad. He, he's struggling with a lot of things. Oh, yeah. A lot of it has to do with his relationship with his mother. Yeah, so he presents himself as a go-lucky, happy guy, but underneath he's carrying a lot of burdens and struggles. 
guilt 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 that should not belong to him but it does and he has this feeling that he has to like bear the weight of it all so he doesn't really rely on others and he, he blames himself for what happened with his mom and he internalizes a lot of things yes and him and naho are really similar in that way actually they have a very it's funny because um, he's a little he presents himself as kind of more outgoing compared to naho but they mm-hmm. both have like very similar personalities at the same time yeah at their their heart of hearts mm-hmm. before we move on i want to say this author does a really really good job with facial expressions <laughs> yeah like all the character no like not even just funny ones but like Kakaru does a lot of smiling to cover up his emotions, but there's different, mm-hmm. like, wrinkles in his eyes from when he's doing a genuine smile or when he's covering up something. Like, there are times where you can, like, see that it's a fake smile and times mm-hmm. when you can see it's a genuine smile, which I think is really good, like, how the author depicts it. It's awesome to do that, just mm-hmm. from some lines. Yeah, Like, it's just a subtle thing, but it's very, like, story-wise, it adds so much. Mm-hmm. And then you see a picture of him when he's a little kid with his puppy, and it's a genuine smile. And that was when it kind of hit me like, oh, yeah, he has different smiles, doesn't he? This is his unbothered smile, unburdened one. Mm-hmm. He's a little guy. Poor boy. Poor boy. Let's talk about him with his love. Naho. That two, so as we mentioned before, Naho and Kakaru, very similar. But I think when they're together, it kind of brings out the best in them because they're doing mm-hmm. things for each other that also kind of end up benefiting themselves and they just end up being... They're a really, really sweet well. couple. Yeah. Because of their personalities, they don't always communicate things. No. And another thing, too, is because Kakaru is dealing with trauma that he doesn't really want to talk about. And yep. then you have the, like current timeline of the story where naho is kind of aware to some degree of what he's struggling with versus the naho of the future timeline where she was oblivious to these things and seeing how that affects their relationship this story has two timelines that it weaves together really well Mm -hmm. and you see like those timelines where it's very obvious that they both like each other but they kind of dance around each other because of their personalities yeah but then their confession scene where he finally lets out all his emotions and they hug and cry and then he gives her the chocolate and the friends are cheering them on the whole time it's so good it's so good they're such a cute happy for them yeah yeah so at one point he dates this upperclassman who's just a jerk and that's her only personality (laughs) trait is she's really mean for no reason but but then once he breaks up with her He's like, well, I hurt Naho by doing that, so I guess I'll never make a choice ever again, (laughs) even though he's the one encouraging Naho to make choices. So it's kind of like he's trying to bring that out in her, but he won't allow it in himself. And then she's Mm -hmm. trying to make him share his feelings, but she won't share her feelings with anyone. (laughs) And yeah, they're very similar and just need to talk. Yeah, they're very much like um, putting others in front of themselves, and he's very afraid of hurting others. So he doesn't yes. like confronting things. I think there's some point where I, I feel like it might be Sular. One of the friends says like, by not confronting these things because you don't want to hurt these people, you're just hurting them more. Mm-hmm. So like, your friends want to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And the friends are so good. They are good. They're we'll go through group. them all. 
Uh, do we want to talk Shortly. about Sua? Yes, we want to talk about Sua. He's a good, 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 good boy. He's such a good boy. He's so good. He is such a good friend. I li- I really like um. He's kind of like the second love interest, but I feel like the series isn't really much about a love triangle to begin with, so it feels wrong what to call him that. What teenage boy has this <laughs> level of emotional intelligence? I can't believe it. I was, oh my god, he's so good. <laughs> part of it, too, is because of the letter from the future, where he carries yeah. like his future self's burden of guilt in his relationship with Naho. After yeah. Kakiru's passing, so he can't bring yeah. himself to... So, like we should mention, in the future timeline, yeah. so the one that sent the letters to the past, Naho and Sua are married and have a kid. And <laughs> Sua carries a lot of guilt about her never, never getting to be with Kakiru because he thinks they were really, really good together and Kakiru was his best friend. Mm-hmm. And so now he sent this letter back like, hey, I know you love Naho, but just focus on soccer. <laughs> Soccer's your love now. <laughs> relationship ended with naho now soccer is my gf <laughs> and the fact that he also sends a picture of like him and naho with their child though yeah <laughs> like Messed for Suma to like see that picture and realizing that this is a future that he dreams of but it also comes at a great cost and you can't have it and he like he's such a good boy but he makes all these sacrifices for his best friends because he's such a good boy but it's so good because his other friends see him doing that or they're like no you need to confront these things yeah, yeah. he has so much guilt all the time Damn. like i just sw- well there's so volume seven is kind of a sua volume where it no, goes volume through six. volume six is the sewer volume mm-hmm. where it goes through oh god this volume tore me apart man <laughs> tore me to shreds but it's showing kind of after kakaru dies how he got with naho and everything and there's a part where he he just has so much guilt about it because all of his date ideas are coming from kakaru and, and like he feels kakaru like he just swept too. in and kind of got kakaru's seconds basically and he has so much guilt and self-hatred about it and he's like i'm not a good person i'm a scumbag i'm stealing her away and all the friends are like no you're you're nice (laughs) and all the friends are like what are you talking about no you're just genuinely a nice guy like you're doing great and nahu really does love him and their relationship is really Mm -hmm. good and sweet it's just different because they were both changed by that experience right so of course it's going to be different than it was when they were high schoolers who hadn't lost a friend yep I really like them as a couple. It was. I like Naho and Kakaru, but I also do like Sua and Naho. They had a yeah. good relationship with each other. It, Kakaru and Naho have more kind of in common, and they play off each other's interests better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sua but, is more of um, Like, they have different personalities, Naho and Sua, but it's kind of like they complement each other yeah. with their different personalities. Yeah, and of course they're different people because they've gone through different experiences. Mm-hmm. And then that volume ends with a page where she's late to a date with Sua, and she's like, thank you for waiting for me all this time. And I frothed at the mouth <laughs> and choked and passed away. Should we talk Anything about... more to say about the good boy? Or should we talk about the other three? Let's talk about the other three. Okay, so we have... Um, do you want to just go through their personalities really fast? Yeah, so Azu or Azusa is peppy and energetic. We support her. Takako is scary. She's like cool (laughs) ice queen. 
Cool Ice Queen. We love her. Hagita is the weirdest man I've ever met. I love him so much. He's the comic relief, but not in like he's a silly way. Like, and he says the most off the wall stuff kind of way. And I love him. He has like this, like, just a weird personality, very deadpan. Um, just absolutely great. He is, has a serious the side to him. Boy. He's serious. He's a really good boy. guy, too. I love when they go to, what is it? <laughs> it's some sort of winter thing together. I don't even remember. And then I think it's Naho goes up to Kakar when they have a moment like, wow, you're wearing a scarf. It's so nice. And he's just in the background like, I'm also wearing a scarf. <laughs> there's this one scene that I have to tell you about. It's in volume seven. I know there's like a section later. So there's like this side story with um, its other characters from a different series of the author. And they're in this park. And... Um, it's uh, Sakako and Asuza. They see this picture of um, this really attractive guy from the other series. So they make a comment about how they want to run into a prince in a park. And Nahagito is like, do you mean me? And they all look and turn like they turn and look at him and they just close their eyes. <laughs> he's like, don't close your eyes. Yeah, Azusa and Hagito have kind of a thing going on where they just mercilessly make fun of each other. And I love it. And then at the end, they get together. But only in the... It's like a, the dating sim good ending where Kakuro doesn't die. They actually mm-hmm. get together, but in the other ending, they didn't. I know. But he still drives a minivan for some reason. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> it's one where they like to like um, poke fun at him, but he takes it in mm-hmm. strides. <laughs> yeah. That's what I love about this friend group is they're silly and they make fun of each other and they're loud and obnoxious, but it's it's like a real friend group like they're like they're one of the most so comfortable around friend, each other uh friend groups in a manga series i've read yes by far yeah it's wonderful i love that mm-hmm. the male friends hug each other and cry <laughs> and all of the things and there's no weird like boys versus girls dynamic that you sometimes yeah. get in these mixed gender anime friend groups they're just all they all love and support it's each like other it's like a genuine like caring thing too yeah, they're genuine about it. Mm-hmm. They're not like, I love you, no homo. They're like spraying each other with water and everybody's like, are they a couple? <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. They have a really good uh, friendship. Mm-hmm. I love the running joke where whenever the couple tried to like go on a date, they're like, cool, I'll invite the rest of the friend group. And the other person's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like every time they're trying to yeah. date with the friend group. Should we go into communication within this friendship group? I, yeah. So there's a part where Kakiru is really, really sad. And they're all like, you can share what you're going on, what's going on in your life with us. We're your friends. And he mm-hmm. kind of is like, no, I'm really happy around you guys. And you guys make me happy. And I don't want to bring sadness into that. And just, man, that really, really got me too. With my teenage self, mm-hmm. where it's like, wanting to divide your happy friendship life with maybe a not so nice home life and it's like your friends you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. sharing sharing your emotions with your friends is one of the best things you could do if they're close and you're safe around them and everything mm-hmm. child you will feel better this is this is a call-out post for young me <laughs> you're not being dramatic you're not burdening them you're not changing the mood in a bad way your friends want to be there for you just like you want to be there for them yep I think um, one thing I did like about this in terms of communication, wanting to be there too, was there are times where Kakiru would say something kind of dark and they would have this moment of like, 
what do I say? Mm-hmm. Because they yeah. just, they don't have that, like, experience. Oh, yeah. I'm sure everyone yeah. had a sad friend in high school because teenagers are sad and just the moment where they say something and you're like i am 15 i am not equipped to know how to defuse this i will keep joking with my friend i love my friend but wow i do not know what's the one that that. really got me was where Mm -hmm. it was him in the library i think with naho and he was like ah just thinking what would happen if i jumped out this window and she's like uh that would be bad and he's like yeah i could be like superman man no if i was superman i could have saved my mom from dying ha 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 and she's like oh my god (laughs) like yeah it's so relatable to like a friend saying something super dark offhand and you're like oh what do i do (laughs) just that moment of like oh okay um Except it has all that extra weight for her because she knows where this is heading, right? Yeah. I really did like um, that one scene. I think it's in like volume two or something where it's him and Naho talking. And she says, like, you need to like tell us your feelings and we're there for you. And then like Sua comes in and confronts him about it as well. And then he finally admits his mom's this- passing yeah. and like how depressed he's been about it. And just um, having that moment of breakdown. Like, this is <laughs> okay, no. This scene was so, so good. And I mm-hmm. love Sua. And he's so emotionally mature. But there's a part where he goes, do you ever think about dying? And I just thought of him as from the Barbie movie. But like, do you guys ever <laughs> think about death? And then, like the record scratch and everything. And it did take me out of the scene quite a lot. But Sua is a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. <laughs> but it was like such, it's such a blood way of putting it. But also it oh, yeah. was like. Kaku and it opens like, yeah, sometimes you gotta be blunt to make mm-hmm. people admit stuff confront and me. it'll be awkward but yeah it's hard man i don't even know um there's one too where it's in volume seven it's one of the short stories where with um hagita's point of view and it's oh, I don't know after the thing. events of volume five where they're burying the time capsule and he says to uh Kakura, like what is it like to think of dying or like why that hurts my feelings hold on i want to read it yeah so there's a scene where um haggy does like hey kakir what does it feel like to want to die and everybody's just like oh my god haggy why would you ask that at this moment and then kakir responds wanting to die is incredibly painful it's like you're stuck in a tunnel but the end is never in sight even if you made plans with someone or you bought a new game, you have a moment where it all becomes meaningless. If that moment comes to the wrong place at the wrong time, you might end up dead. But I don't feel that way now. I'm alright. Uh, oh, come on, man. And I think it's an interesting to have when they're like burying the time capsule in this timeline where Kakiro lives. Because mm-hmm. it kind of shows that he's still struggling. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that's the thing with it, too. We'll talk about yeah. kind of his mental we'll health journey later on. But, yeah, just the thing that it's not just erased by having good mm-hmm. friends. The good friends help, but, of course, it's not. Yeah. My point with that was kind of going into sometimes with the communication. It's, sometimes you just have to be blood to, like, make them confront those feelings mm-hmm. to talk. They're good Especially at Especially as teenagers. Like, I feel like teenagers, yeah. you don't have that, like, um, conversational skill being no. subtle about like talking about these things so it's you just be blunt yeah which is good sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes it man. works sometimes not <laughs> 
Um, I really like the scene where they're carrying like a gym mat or something and they're talking about how heavy it is and he's like, well, we'll all carry the weight with you. And then Mm -hmm. there's that three panels of him just letting go. That was really sweet. Oh, yeah. Because it was like the representation of like the burdens he's bearing and how they would like shoulder um, it with him. My other favorite was when they were doing the relay race and they were passing along that message (laughs) to him and they keep like they each one added a sentence to it yeah which to the point where it's like how are you passing off that baton and also saying a full paragraph i don't understand but it was so good and it's like it. it's kind of cheesy but with this series it works so festival. well yeah right that's what i thought the gym mat thing was kind of cheesy too but i was like okay i give you this so yeah i just love them and then the very last mm-hmm. words of the series are no matter how many times it takes we'll save you and I love, I just love that. There's nothing like a good friend. Like one of my favorite things about this story is it's a romance, but it also really emphasizes the friendships and like the key to a fulfilling support structure. Like you can't just be saved by one person. That's mm-hmm. a burden on that one person. You got to work on it yourself and you got to surround yourself with people who love you. It is. And it's interesting too, because Kakaru, from when you see his point of view, he's very much like Naho is the one who saved me. But you as the reader know that it's not just Naho, it's, like, the whole Mm -hmm. friend group. Yeah. Because he has that support system. And part of the series is, like, making him realize he has this this group of people around him who are there to support him even when he's struggling in dark times. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And when it goes from, even Naho, like, she's struggling because of all of the burden that's put on her to try Mm -hmm. to save this person's life when she doesn't really know how or she can. The moment where she realizes not just, well, first she realizes Sua also got a letter and they're kind of in it together. Mm -hmm. But then there's a moment where the other three reveal that they also got letters. And it's just Mm -hmm. like you can feel the weight lifting off of her. Like, okay, we're all in this together. Now we can plan this together. No more secrets. We're going to save him together. The realization where it's like, it's not just her having to do all of this and like burying Mm -hmm. that weight of knowing he's going to die and that she's the one who has to save him. They're all working together. And I love the two female friends and how much they try to get um, Naho and Kakaru together. (laughs) They're just rooting for them the whole time so enthusiastically. It's sad. Um, Since we're talking about brands, we want to move on to adults and youths. Yeah, let's talk about... Yeah, so this story has a very interesting kind of communication situation between the adults and their past young selves and also Mm -hmm. between parents and children them being around our age hits so different al (laughs) when we first watched this we were the age of the people in the show and now we're the age of the adults and yeah that got me there was yeah right in the very first chapter Mm -hmm. there's a part where she's like to myself 10 years in the past there is so much joy and happiness ahead of you and then she's like talking about how do you have to save kakaru but just like being 27 and being like to myself 10 years in the past and thinking about little 17 year old maddie like there is so much joy and happiness ahead of you that made me tear up a little bit i was like yeah man just having those moments of like wanting to share to your past self like yeah there's hard times but there's good times as well yeah this story gave me so much nostalgia and kind of like longing and the pain of being a teenager and the good times and the bad you know i think one of my favorite was so the letter for Naho is, it's, like, day-by-day events. Mm-hmm. And then she has, like, these little bullet points of things that the future Naho wants the past to change. 
Yes. And she says, like, oh, I regret not joining the softball team for the sports event. And when it happens, I want you to do it. Or I regret not giving him chocolates or I regret not having whatever conversation. And there's one, can't remember what one it was. It was one of the ones where she wanted Naho to, like, confront Kakura. I think it was when he was dating um, the older classman there, Ueda. <laughs> the mean girl. The <laughs> mean girl. Where she, like, wanted Naho to confront Kakeru to have this conversation. And Naho is like, it's so easy to look on the past and mm-hmm. think you could have done it, but when it's in the moment, it's hard. Yeah. It's easy to look at it with the emotions removed, but you still got your flight and flight system in the present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird because now that also... you mentioned the softball thing and stuff, it's kind of like she's taking care of her past self in mm-hmm. a way, but also she's putting a lot of burden on her past self at the because same time. Because part of it too is, as like the past self said, it's easy to look back in the past when you have more emotional maturity and yes. wish that you had like done something different. But when you look at that moment at the time, your mentality of, like, who you are is so different that it's hard to make those decisions or, like, say those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? If someone had written to me, like, hey, don't take that nap. you got to make your notes for the podcast. I would have been, like, snooze. (laughs) I'm not listening to you. It's hard. It's hard to, yeah. To look back in the moment without the emotions and the pain and everything associated with it. Yeah. No, and it's no interesting, good. too, because there are times where they kind of question the contents of the letter because the future itself is changing. So the character's, like, mentality of certain things are also changing. So the suggestions made in the letter don't necessarily match up with the reality. Yeah. So we should mention that the time travel th- the way it works in mm-hmm. this is that it, there basically are two different realities that divulge. So the future them are still always not going to have Kakaru and they're going to live the same. But the hope is that there's another world where their past selves can make a change. Yeah. So like the idea is that if they send the letters to the past then they'll somehow be able, like there will be a parallel future world that will exist where Kakaru is still alive, where their past selves have succeeded. And they're like, yes. even if that possibility exists then we want to do this and they throw their letters into the bermuda triangle which is so funny to me (laughs) it doesn't make sense but it's it's still the best time travel theory i've heard in a while because usually time travel makes me mad so it's fine there's one i think it's called the tale of the other time being which is kind of a similar one in the sense that you're in like different timelines and you have this person who like retrieves this box full of letters and they're trying to save somebody in the past but it's like this idea of like you put the letter in like a whatever container and like travels through time hmm. that's starting to sound too complicated again see this is letters can go through you put a box around it's starting to complex if you send a person i'm out of the story except for doctor who <laughs> doctor who can hang it's interesting too about these letters that they're sending mm-hmm. to the past is that they're kind of doing it to alleviate their own guilt. Yeah. Right. And they don't actually know if the letters are going to make it or if no. there's a, like, it yeah. could go anywhere in time. It could not go in time at all. They could just be making that up. 
and we know Sua doesn't really believe it, but I wonder if the others actually, like, they all want it to work, but mm-hmm. they might not actually believe it. So it's kind of like, are they doing this to their past selves on purpose, or are they just writing everything down to kind of therapeutically get it out, and then it randomly mm-hmm. works? Like, I don't know how much... Like, I, I yeah. don't like that the adults put all this burden on the kids. Obviously, the result was great, and they mm-hmm. should have done it because that results ended up saving a life. But also, it is a lot of stress for just children, you know? Yeah. And I wonder what they were thinking in that it's, moment. Because when you look at the letters, too, they're very much like a therapeutic thing where they're writing as if they can talk to their past selves. And each of them actually write a letter for Kakeru. Yeah, that was so sweet at the end. It's right after the scene. It's kind of the... Where they save him. Climactic moment mm-hmm. where he almost dies, but then doesn't because he couldn't do it. And then they all just hand him a letter to Kakaru from their future selves. And it's... it's I didn't, We didn't know they had those until that moment. And it's so sweet. It's so sweet. <laughs> um, should we move on to uh, the parents' relationship? Yeah, parents and children. Parents and children. The very first chapter, did you notice? Okay, there's a... There's a lot mm-hmm. to say about kind of genetics and mental health here, but also nature versus nurture. So we get like one scene with Naho's mom mm-hmm. and it's her being like, oh my God, I didn't pass out the neighborhood newsletter at the right time. And now it's weird and people will be eating dinner and I'm going to bother them and blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of <laughs> like, okay, that's where she gets it from. <laughs> and then you see, and then it kind of gets more real later on with uh, Kakaru's mom, you know, yeah. dying by suicide. And then that becomes his way of going as well mm-hmm. which is a very it's depression is very genetic kakiru and kakiru's mom i don't like the mom <laughs> no i don't she, like her she's not a good i mean person. she's doing the best with the mental health she was dealt yeah. but she puts a lot of burden on her child i think there's times too where too she oversteps her boundaries by yes. um throwing out his soccer stuff Without Saying he can't join a club because right? he's got to take care of her and stuff. Yeah, not cool. Because part of Kakeru and the reason why he is upset with his mom is because she doesn't communicate with him. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she divorced his dad when he was little. So he kind of, part of him blames her for that. Not knowing that the reason why she divorced him was because he was abusive to her. And then yeah. later on, they move into the other town. He is upset with her because it was never, like, a discussion that she had with him. She just up and moved him. And then she throws out his soccer gear. And he gets upset because... I'm sorry, that's one of the things that really upsets me is when parents yeah. throw out, like, treasured belongings. Yeah. Because For they sure. feel that they own their kids and therefore they own the things that their kids have. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like... You can't join clubs. You have to come straight home and take me to my appointments and stuff like that. And it's like, why are you isolating your small child, like your child that's not being a good parent? And we find out kind of later that her line of thinking is um, he was being bullied in his soccer team at his old school, which is why they moved to the different town and why she doesn't want him to do soccer because she doesn't want him to be bullied. So it's kind of like, it kind of comes from a good place, but at the same time, it would have been so much better if you just sat down and, like, talked with your child about Uh it, rather than making these decisions without him being involved in it. Sorry, you mentioned his old friends, and I just, like, went blind with rage again. (laughs) Oh my god. 
<laughs> yeah, there's a, scene. there's a scene where he admits his feelings to them and they laugh it away. And I'm like, oh, oh you so guys, I'm going to kill all of you individually. <laughs> it is interesting, too, with that friend group. Because you can see it's not a good friend group. There's, like, this one guy who's, like, friends with him. And I say that with air quotes. Who mm-hmm. is kind of a really bad friend. And then the other ones are kind of not Passive. really his friends. But they're very much acquaintances. So yeah. when he, like, unburdens the thoughts that he's been having, they're like, I don't know how to deal with that. Which is fair, because they're teenagers. Yeah. They handle it in the worst way by laughing it off. They're like, ha ha ha, you're joking. That's so weird, man. You're so weird. Ha ha. And I was like, I'm going to twist your necks. All of you. Oh, that's horrible. Um. Anyway, back to parents. Yeah, back to parents. Want to talk about Naho and Suwa's little guy slash Naho and Kakaru's little guy. He's so cute. He looks the same in both versions of the future. The father does not contribute to these genetics at all. Nope. <laughs> but I kind of like that, you know, there it's all the adults getting together sad, mm-hmm. and meanwhile there's this little bright spot of a whole new guy who's got a whole new story beginning. Mm-hmm. And when they can't go back, he's just starting, right? And then there's a scene where she's thinking of Kakaru as a child, and then she's thinking about her own child, and mm-hmm. she's like, yeah. Did, did they name him Kakaru? I missed that. She was like, um, we have our own little Kakaru. So I don't know if that was her just kind of comparing the two or if she named him I Kakaru. I don't know what his name is with... With Sua, yeah. Sua. I don't know. mention his name is Haru in... With Kakaru. Yeah. If, I hope they didn't um, name him after their dead friend because that's my least favorite trope in fiction is when <laughs> people name their child after someone who's dead. I got tricked by that once. Did I ever tell you that story? Oh, you definitely... Yeah. <laughs> you thought your favorite character lived. This is my favorite. <laughs> Well, that was basically much of the story was um, I had a favorite character in this fantasy series and um, he got like injured. So I like flipped to the end to see if his name popped up because if his name popped up, the chances are he still lives. So I saw his name. So I was like, OK, he lives. So then I like read to the end and realized, <laughs> no, he actually dies. And they named their child after him. It's the worst. <laughs> I'm so betrayed. <laughs> Okay, as we were talking about, I feel like I would have much to explain about Volume 7, because there is something in Volume 7 I want to talk about that fits into adults and youth. Okay. So, one of the stuff in Volume 7 is we have a story from Kakaru's point of view, and it's after the events of, like, the main story, and he reconnects with his dad, or his dad reaches out to him. And he decides, oh no. <laughs> yeah. That's so sad. No, no, it's a big oh no. Um, oh no. So he decides that he's going to like sit down and talk with his dad, who he hasn't seen since he was like in elementary school. And friends, being amazing friends that they are, are like, hey, do you want us to be around when you're having this conversation with your dad? And he's like, no, I can do it. I need to like do this by myself. So he ends up meeting with his dad at um, grandma's house. And Grandma goes out shopping so they can oh, be alone. Grandma into this. Okay, good. Grandma's so nice. Yeah, Grandma's like, I'm gonna go deliver the news, the neighborhood newsletters. So oh, Grandma, the dad, the dad sucks. No. Oh um, well, yeah, we know he was abusive. Yeah, we know he was abusive with his mom. So he talks to Kakiru, and he kind of, he doesn't say it outright, but he very subtly implies that it was Kakiru's fault that his mom died. 
we're not marking this episode explicit, but you understand what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, he just um, got over that trauma, dude. Can we not right? re-traumatize the boy? And he was, he's basically like, oh, she died because you didn't take good care of her. And then he I'm says something like, him onto the train um, you are my son after all. We hurt the people that we love. No. Oh my God. Oh no. Oh my God. <laughs> so. I'm gonna- I'm gonna That's kind of like where their conversation turn his skin ends. Inside out. Um and Kaku really struggles after that yeah. talking with his dad. He does not hurt the people he loves. Oh my god. Because that is one of his biggest fears is that he's after. going he does. Tell me his friends comfort him. Okay. He does. It's <laughs> I think it's mainly with like um talking with uh Sua. Part of it too is that he is again, one of his biggest fears is that he's going to hurt Naho. Um, Mm. another thing that he is kind of struggling with is that he feels as if he's weak. And I have to pull out this conversation because it's really good. Sua is the best. Sua is, Sua is the only therapist. It kind of goes into mental health, but it's a really good (laughs) conversation. So one of his things is that he's afraid of being weak and he wants to kind of bear this thing by himself so that he can be stronger and he doesn't want to bear something he says in the confession scene too he tells naho like i'm not mad at you i'm just too weak and whatever Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting because like after that conversation with his dad the friends notice that he there's something wrong so it ends up him and sua finally talk and he says, I hate that weak version of me that cries every night. I want to become strong enough to be able to stand up and walk on my own. And Sua says, I don't think being weak is a bad thing. Weak people are able to empathize with other people when they're going through stuff. Weakness exists so we can better help each other. I believe strong people exist to protect the weak. Strong people and weak people alike. We all exist for someone else. That's why it's okay to need help sometimes. What a good boy. He's such a good boy. <laughs> I can't handle this. Why'd you what? do this to me? You're the one that's Mail me volume <laughs> seven right now. <laughs> volume seven is very good. Um uh, I feel like there's a panel I'm gonna have it's to It's December, I'm coming for you in our hometown. I'm coming. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. <laughs> uh, should we move on to discussions of mental health? Oh yeah, let's just get sadder. <laughs> so obviously the major mental health thing in here is Kakeru's kind of descent into suicidality and it's a really realistic descent like it starts out where he's just kind of hiding it and then eventually can't hide it anymore and he starts snapping and like random little emotions start coming out to the point where and there's like small moments yeah. too that like really build up mm-hmm. to the point where he just like can't handle it and part of like how he dies in the future timeline bad timeline timeline, is um he finds a text message from his mom that she didn't send him the day that she dies and it just kind of pushes him into being like very emotionally unstable and upset so he goes on a bike ride and ends up in an accident but it's very much implied that he purposely got hit by a car it's pretty much confirmed it's not an accident yeah he very like purposely drove in front of a car in the good timeline that still happens where he finds um he doesn't bike for a reason (laughs) yeah he doesn't bike but he ends up like leaving the house 
and he almost gets hit, but he ends up, like, stumbling and falling because, and he says later, like, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because at that moment, he wanted to live because he wanted to, like, stay with his friends. I love that, too. It's so, (laughs) it's so realistic that his friends making him happy doesn't save him completely it's just Mm -hmm. like the tiniest little will to live that pulls him back from the ultimate crisis moment right but he's still got to work on it himself and it's still a really long road ahead of him and i like too how in like the other volumes we see that he still struggles like this isn't something that goes away it's all like he start he struggles with these thoughts and then the friends magically heal him he's still struggling with these things he just has a better involved support group yeah because one of the things, too, about this series is it's very much about how, like, the group of friends, the future selves, are coming from this perspective of people who have lost someone to suicide and their regrets of their relationship, which I think is also very realistic of, like, looking back and going, if I knew you were struggling, I wish I could have reached out and helped you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not something I've experienced, thank thank all the gods that I've never lost someone to suicide Mm -hmm. and I can't even imagine the guilt of that I've had friends who have lost people to suicide I've never been somebody who has but yeah yeah what I have experienced is pretty bad depression and the parts that Kakaru you know starts being mean and pushing everyone away and sabotaging his own life and then there's this chapter that's just a kind of his internal monologue and thoughts about like how he's not worthy of good things and how nobody would care if he died it's just like it's it's really really realistic to a point where if you're currently not in a place to read that you should not read that Mm -hmm. because it's it's rough and it's raw it really shows how he can spiral yes how he can take little things like the miscommunications or, you know, Naho saying the wrong thing on New Year's and then she blames him herself, but he's like, oh no, I did something to upset her and blah, blah, blah. And then he just keeps going on and on. Like, all I do is hurt her. All I do is hurt everyone. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone would be better without me. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there's times too where he has like those moments where he like wants to escape and wants to kind of get out of this depression that he's buried himself into, but he struggles with that. He's like, mm-hmm. I see people around me smiling and laughing, and I want to do that too, but I feel so guilty mm-hmm. in that moment that I can't. That's also, like, because a lot of his guilt and fear and everything comes from losing his mom because of what he feels like it was something he did, which I love is also in the moment with Sua where he's like, I said a mean thing to my mom, and then whatever, and Sua's like, I get mad at my mom all the time. Like, that's just normal. You're normal. You're good. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is so true, and... But he has so much guilt about that. It's bad. He has a bunch of guilt. And that's kind of what kicks off the, I can never hurt anyone because if I hurt anyone, that's bad. I also really mm-hmm. like for, from Naho's end of things, mm-hmm. she's always stressed out about saying the wrong thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, eventually like she learns. Wrong. Yeah. But eventually she learns like, it's okay to say the wrong thing as long as you make up after it. That's what it is to be friends mm-hmm. and to have a relationship with someone. And there's a lot of, even her future self is sending like, make Kakaru happy, make him smile. And then she's like, 
you know, if we're really going to connect emotionally, he's going to cry sometimes. And crying is okay, especially in this situation. Like, it's not going to go away. Everyone has emotions and emotions are fine. And it's about being there for him through the bad stuff, not erasing the bad mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Volume 7 is a lot of stories from Kakiru's point of view and where he talks about kind of his struggles. And he says, I'm really glad every day is so happy, but whenever I feel happy, I still have this sense of guilt. I cause my mother so much suffering, I feel like I have no right to be happy. Oh, that's I don't what want I was going to say. Is, that's realistic to, mm-hmm. you know, any fresh loss of someone close to you. It's kind of like the world at large is not mourning, so I have to carry all the burden of mourning and I'm not allowed to be happy or laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a common thing. So, one of the side stories from Volume 7 is Kaku receives a letter from the future, and it's from his son in the future. Oh, what? (laughs) Why have I not read Volume 7? It's from um, from Haru. Yeah, it's from Haru. He's talking about how he's joining a swim club. That was a bad free joke. I haven't even seen free. <laughs> Why am I talking about Haru from free? It says, I'm your firstborn son. I'm 20 years old. I'm writing this letter because I have something I want to say to you. And then he kind of talks about, um, I was able to be born because you survived. To live means to worry, doubt, and suffer. It definitely isn't easy, but that isn't all there is to it. Fun times, joyful, and happy times will eventually find you. The pain and the happiness don't come at the same time. In order to find happiness, I believe you must also survive the pain. I learned this from hearing your story. What the hell, man? Please take your time and craft the happy future you wish to see. That letter was secretly written by Sua because there can't possibly be two young men with the exact same level of emotional maturity. This kid is 20? No way. (laughs) No way. I don't believe it for a second. And then it ends with... um, from Kakura's point of view if you keep living good things will come I always hated those words but now I know that those are the words of someone who has overcome hard times living on is like walking over fresh white snow even if I can't see what lies ahead it's okay even if I stop or tumble I'll take my time and walk on in order to see Haru my spring that was beautiful oh my god (laughs) we're not even gonna hang out when I visit at Christmas I'm just gonna (laughs) steal your manga and read in the backyard Okay, um, any last words we want to talk about with uh, mental Oh, I want to, okay, just because we're sad now, I mm. want to um, do the exact same thing the story did at the saddest part and remind you that Hagita totally wrecked Kakaru's bike. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> that was the perfect time for that. And, like, the heaviest moment of the story. It's not, like, taking away from it. It's just like, and by the way, our friend group's still silly. It made me so happy. <laughs> because Hagita's just like so he dies on a bike eh? it would be a shame if something happened to it and then later on he's like yeah why were you walking and not biking he's like oh something's wrong with my bike and Hagita's like oh no how did that happen oh my gosh <laughs> so good <laughs> great friend group I love them so much Hagita's great um who's your favorite character uh, oh jeez wait 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 I gotta guess is it Sua um, I don't know if I have a favorite character. 
pick a favorite character for the the bit we didn't do one last we didn't do one last episode and as i was editing it i was like oh my god how am i supposed to wrap this up i don't have a favorite character i feel like this is one of those series though where like you don't really have a favorite character because they're all just so well written i have a favorite character oh you have a favorite character it's oh, no. Sua. <laughs> I was like, is it Sua? <laughs> it's Sua. He's such a good, good, good boy. I really wish I could have read volume seven. Volume six was also beautiful. Mm-hmm. The way they weaved like the past and the present so, together was in the future. It was amazing. My one thing, what I wanted to say about mental health to wrap oh. that up. Sorry, we're not. We're Sorry, not I just wanted to. Whoops. I wanted to wrap that one up. <laughs> no, that was me um, racing through. I like how the story approaches suicide in the sense of it's realistic because I think it could have veered off into like, in order to not be suicidal, you need to have good friends or like be happy mm-hmm. in life. I liked how just it was don't be sad. Realistic. Yeah, right. Like I, I feel like it could have veered into that. But yeah. it doesn't. And I also like the additions of 6 and 7 because I feel like it fleshes out more of kind of like the mental health and the fact that those volumes came years after. It was kind of like the author yeah. revisited those themes and like how they presented that. It definitely didn't feel like volumes that the author was like, oh man, I have a deal to write a new volume. Better uh, crack something out. It was just like <laughs> genuinely adding to the story really, really well. Volume 6 anyway. Hey, famously, I have not read volume 7. So, things that I didn't talk about for uh, Volume 7. <laughs> so, Volume 7 is short stories featuring the friends. So, you have... I love the friends. Hagita has a story from his perspective, and then Takako has one from her perspective, and then Asuza does, and then uh, Suwa does. And then it's from Kakiru's perspective... And then you have um, Haru's little letter from him, which is cute. And then there's this mm-hmm. really silly spinoff with Orange and um, her other... Haru, sh- you're astronaut? Oh, we didn't talk about that, but no. Um, I- <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. No. Oh, my God. No, we can't talk about it because I read the omnibus and then I started reading the single volumes and the omnibus does not have it. And then the single volume started with chapter four. And I was like, who are these people? What is going on? I'm skipping this. I, I, I will talk about what that. the heck but is happening. On. So she has like this um, little like chapter where she pulls in characters from her other series, Dreaming Sun. Um, Dreaming Sun isn't what I've read, mainly because it's about a high schooler who ends up marrying her landlord. Boo! How can you write something so bad after this? And like that's the worst. That's the like, worst possible combination. I, I can't believe that. I thought I you were wanted, gonna say teacher, and I was like, oh, of course, gross. Mark. But the landlord—that's an extra step. Oh my god, I'm mad. I'm so. I mad. was like, it looked fun because it's like I think she like runs away from home for whatever teenager reason, and then she ends up living in like a share house. And I like stories about a share house shenanigans. It doesn't always work, short cake cake, but um, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> I thought you loved that series. I have mixed feelings on that series. We'll probably go into <laughs> okay. that series. I feel like I might like it better when I revisit it. I don't know. I have mixed feelings. Anyways, um, coming soon. Dreaming Sun. It's like what I never read because I found out she gets with the landlord, and then I lost all uh-huh. interest in the series. But 
anyways, there's a fun um, spinoff chapter at the end where you have the characters of Orange run into the characters of a Dreaming Set at a park. And they're in this weird park that is from different worlds. So they have, like, no idea where anybody is or where they are. It's kind of like a running so gang. Some Fire Emblem DLC kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. It's funny. Oh, and then Volume 7 with the chapters from the Friends' different perspectives. It ends with the full letter that they wrote to Kakaru. Oh, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm coming you need- <laughs> to your house and I'm taking it. You need to read it when That's you come That's why I visit. bought the plane ticket. Um, yeah. Yeah, so in the single volumes, there's also, for I think it's the first five, there's single chapters of, what's it called, Har- Haruiro Astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> I was so confused when I turned to the end of volume four, and I was like, who are you people? It's Hello? essentially this one shot about these twin sisters, and like the one twin sister just dates every guy who asks her out, but she only dates them for like a week or two, and then the other sister has never dated it's it's cute. Like, it's not anything special or mind-blowing, but it's just, like, a cute, silly, um, short romance story with these two right. twin sisters. I'm the second sister. The second sister ends up meeting this guy who is, like, a really oh, fun character. There's, like, a love triangle, but I don't know. It's fun. It's still good. There's some good friendships. I might make you read that one when you come over. Hmm. It's not. Guess yeah. we'll see. It's a fun read. It's, if like you can I said, catch me, I'm out the door with Volume Seven of Orin. <laughs> yeah, her hero astronaut. It's a fun read. Nothing mind blowing, but it's fun. It's enjoyable. Um, overall thoughts about the series? Uh, this is so emotional. This is the closest I've got to crying at a book in a while. This is. One I don't of think the I've ever cried at a book. Where I was reading, I'm it, emotionless, and I was like, wow. This is one of my favorite series, actually. That's so good. Like, it's so good. It's real good. Sad as all hell, but really good. It, it's a hopeful. It ends hopefully, though. It's not... It does. It's not yeah. depressing to the point where it's, like, the author is purposely writing it because they enjoy seeing, like... Yeah. It's not melodrama. No. Even a little bit. Which is crazy to do in a story that's this sad. Mm-hmm. But it all feels earned. Yeah. Yeah, that brings the end of this. So we're going to do another awards show in January, we've decided. Woo woo. And also we're going to read, um, so we ha- we decided on one mutually. Yep. That's one that was a high school favorite of ours. Would you like to reveal? We are going to be reading a series from one of the most iconic manga uh, groups that exist. And that Do not is... know what human arms look like. <laughs> or legs. But it's okay but love because anyway. they're great. It's iconic. <laughs> and that is, we are going to be reading Tsubasa, Reservoir Chronicles, and Holic, aka Holic. In February. By Clamp. By Clamp. Um, you said it wrong. It's Tsubasa, Reservoir Chronicle. There's no S, and I is don't there know why. No S? There's no S. It's weird, right? I feel like it's my just one chronicle. Just, like, Only a single adds... chronicle. Because there's no word. That's not a word, chronicle. It's always chronicles. I feel like my brain just adds an S because, like, that's how it should anyway, be. I feel like I have to look this up now. I'm excited to meet Fi again. It's been so yeah. long. I haven't read it since high school. It was I one of my faves. Know. Okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our first time doing uh, Clamp. Can't believe we haven't done that's a Clamp That's crazy. Series, yeah, right? we, are, we are Clamp girlies. Want to plug our social media? 
Oh, yeah. So we're on Instagram and Twitter under Behold X. Manga or Behold Manga Podcast. The X is silent. <laughs> the X is silent. We have spoken. Uh, our theme music is Strawberry Flavor Love by Daystar. And as always, stop, stop. You're, you're reading, reading in, in the, the wrong, wrong direction. direction.